Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the next session of uh, uh, of our manufacturing uh, conclave. Um, and thank you very much for attending. Um, also, thanks thanks to Mr. Vinod uh, Sharma, who's the managing director of Decky Electronics, uh, uh, in, in gracing us with his presence. Uh, he spent 25 years in shaping Decky into a world-class uh, film capacitor manufacturer. Uh, today, the company has emerged as the largest manufacturer of film capacitors in the country. Um, he also, uh, by the way, played a very, very active role in uh, the electronics community in India. Um, he's part of uh, quite a few industry associations, and he also represents the industry in, in several uh, government interactions as well as internal deliberations. So, uh, with that, I would invite Mr. Vinod uh, 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 Sharma to say a few words, and you know we also have Aditya Bhartia, who's an industrial analyst, uh, uh, to sort come in and uh, do a fireside chat with Mr. Mr. Sharma. Thank you very much, Mukul uh, and Shapna earlier. Thank you for having me here. Am I? Is the voice okay uh, in terms of? Uh, I, do you hear me clearly? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Great. Uh, great. So, uh, maybe I'll just want to say a few things, but but then before that, let me just uh, kind of reintroduce myself. Bukund uh, is, of course, a very generous job that. Uh, I always say that I wear more than one hat, and if you have a head like mine, then you better have more than one hat. And uh, my my main hat is that as a businessman, I run Deki Electronics. Uh, we are an electronic component manufacturer primarily. And our claim to fame is that we try to do, we benchmark with Japan on policy, Germany on reliability, uh, with China on prices, and with India on payment behavior. Uh, and uh, we have managed to, I would say, thrive but survive. Uh, we are one of the few companies that didn't go to trading routes in spite of ITA1, WTO. Uh, you know, so at zero duty, we compete with the best in the world. Uh, we used to export much more. Of late, we uh, far more. A domestic uh, facing uh, company, largely because we are protecting ourselves from a lot of imports that in many other countries. We also have some exports, and I wish that there were more, which we are uh, When we started, we had uh, license capacity to do 10 million capacitors per year. Uh, today, we do about 4 million per day, and it is my hope that we will soon be doing 10 million per day, uh, because that's uh, what I would then call a global scale. Uh, I think I rejoice in the fact that along with 640 people that I have now, uh, there were 40 when we started. So these people, these 40 people have created 16 jobs each in a way. And my message to our 640 people, we have a daily prayer, a national anthem, singing, uh, it's all written by our own people, a thoughts of the day whenever uh, the space permits. Uh, and a suggestion scheme which runs through the week and at the end of the week, uh, people get a 50 rupee price per suggestion that is that is implemented, that is implementable rather. And so far we have implemented over 34,000 sessions. And so uh, that sort of ideas, that sort of working together, collaborative, participative uh, teams is what has got us so far. And if these 640 do exactly what those 40 did, we will have uh, 10,000 jobs. And uh, we will hopefully be making much more than capacitors. So we have also diversified into a few areas and EV charging, drives, etc. but we'll talk about it later. So I will stop there. The other hat I wear is, at the moment, I'm the National Chair for the Electronics Committee of CII. Uh, it just so happens that this is my 10th year as the Chair, which is very rare. 
I normally always want to hand over to somebody else, but I think nobody else wants to do this kind of work. So, so I'm still there, but I'm very happy that uh, that involvement there and then earlier with Elsina as president and our Electronics and Software Council as chairman uh, has enabled me to contribute a little bit towards the policy dialogue around electronics, an area that famously many people have given up on. They said we are good at software, forget hardware, we can't do it, we missed that bus, including Mr. Narayan Muthi said that previously. Uh, and I confronted him because I didn't like that uh, that sort of fatalistic view on anything. Uh, and and the truth is that uh, a sector like electronics, you cannot afford to say that you missed the bus so we will continue to import it. You will soon be importing, as you will see in some of my slides, uh, more oil, more electronics than oil. And I said that uh, way back, I think 15 or 16 years ago. Uh, you know, and I'm happy that now many people begin to realize that. Uh, and we have thankfully given this sector uh, the place in business. I will stop with that and over to you. Uh, thank you, thanks for that introduction. Um, so, yeah, uh, we'll be very, very keen to look a bit deeper into all those hats. Um, uh, I know that there's a small slide part that you're having which discusses various government policies, the incentives that are being offered, how it's being received by the industry, and what exactly more is required. So we'd be very interested in hearing you on that uh, uh, and, and learning more from you. Sure. Would you play the, the slide deck? Sure. sure. Yeah, uh, uh, I'm given to, to understand that the audience uh, is fairly well versed with the subject. So what I will do is I will, uh, you know, between us, I think it will be more valuable uh, that they get, they get to ask questions and you get to ask questions. So I will run through the slide deck very quickly. Uh, uh, but more uh, laying a context to what is happening, uh, you know, and assuming that a lot of it is already known. So I won't go too deep on the slide because that will take too long. However, during the question answer, uh, please feel free to ask me to go back to one of them if you want more. more yeah. Yeah, sure. Uh, there is a reason why we've chosen to call this electronic systems design and manufacturing, uh, because uh, often we look only at manufacturing. It cannot be done without design or design-led manufacturing in some cases. Uh, and then electronics will always work together as a system. And what I mean by that is firmware, software, hardware, applicationware, all coming together. And that is why we call this sector the ESDS sector. A lot of the slides I'm using are actually government slides. Uh, which, which augurs very well uh, for for the future because it is very rare that uh, a businessman feels comfortable with some government slides. So I, I put in some of my own and some from the government because we are now finally fairly aligned and that's, that's a very good way to start. So to begin with, you know, uh, I've been reminding ourselves in the industry and the government for the last many years that electronics is actually not a vertical. And the moment you say, oh, it's like, uh, you know, whether we choose whether we want to do agriculture, dairy, pharma, uh, etc., etc. Quite frankly, in our opinion, electronics is not something that uh, is a choice. It is actually a better resource. And you will see that, and hence we call it, it's not a vertical, it's a horizontal enabler. Uh, and the examples are, you know, the driver of efficiency. We are all using a lot of IT, telecom, digital uh, communications today. 
and, and that's how I'm able to reach out to all of you in spite of not traveling, etc. It is an enabler of inclusive growth, which I must say that this government has taken up very seriously. The last government has started that, and today we are seeing whether it's ease of doing business, it's uh, people getting innovations at home or, uh, you know, or delivered to them, uh, governance, healthcare, education, telecom. The list is endless what we can do with, with good digital technologies. Uh, from a strategic perspective, we are more and more realizing not just defense, which is very obvious, but security. And you know that several cameras that were deployed in some German cities in a Chinese tender, a tender won by a Chinese company, were giving a feedback to China. You know, the so Beijing was keeping an eye on those happening in Nuremberg, for example. And several of these examples are known. So if you really want uh, to prepare for the future, uh, you know, uh, the competition of the future, the wars of the future, and the peacetime activities of the future are very different from what we've seen in the past. And electronics is going to play a very central stage role in each one of them. Uh, so we are, of course, electronics is present everywhere, whether we like it or not. Uh, but just uh, one uh, or two uh, figures that I want to leave with you. Uh, the world of electronics is $2.1 trillion. Uh, divide that by the population of the world, you get a $300 per capita. India has today reached, when I started this kind of presentation, we were at $50 a capita. Very happy that within the last seven years, we have grown to $100 per capita. So our consumption is about $120 billion. Of this, we are doing about $75 billion of current, I won't call it manufacturing, assembly, let's call it for the moment. We export about $12 billion and import about $55 billion. Uh, and so, uh, you know, that is really the, if you, if you take away gems and jewelry, which is imported for export, uh, after oil, we are the second largest import at the moment. This number is only going to grow as you see. Uh, yeah. uh, you will see that, of course, uh, now these are figures that you know better than me, but basically to say that the pace of acceleration is really going up uh, as we are getting, uh, you know, closer to this time. And uh, I think in the next five, ten years, uh, a huge amount of this is going to change. We are going to see some really exponential growth. Uh, because we took, whatever, 70 years almost to get 2 trillion, we are looking at uh, just another uh, 7 years to add another trillion, and, and we know that we are all aiming at 5 trillion. Yeah. Uh, and fortunately, the world is beginning to put their money where their mouth is, and a lot of that FDI is coming to India. You will see the 5 trillion opportunity here on this slide. Uh, 400 out of that 5 trillion is actually electronics. And you will see that uh, if you take auto, it's $300 billion, auto component is $200 billion. So entire, you know, auto is the largest manufacturing sector we know. And we are not very far behind when this dream is. So, so which is why all the investments, all the interest in this area uh, is hopefully adding up to those large numbers that have been just talked about. It's going to be twice our railway economy. So. Uh, of course, this is not only the quantity of what I'm talking about, the quality of what this is doing, whether it's banking accounts or uh, mobile subscriptions, and that's changing everything. Uh, you know, uh, I don't want to go into the jam unity, etc. You're well aware of that. Mm -hmm. uh, next one, please. Uh, there is also, this is followed by, of course, our data consumption and mobile data, banking, all uh, communication. Uh, so a lot of it is coming together. I'm just laying the framework for why I don't think anybody should have a doubt why we will go from 120 to $400 billion in a sector like this. Because all this will be carried on some electronic hardware and some software. Yeah. Uh, of course, uh, India has got serious about FDIs, and which is why we hope that while assembly has started in India of cell phones, for example, air conditions to follow, LEDs is happening already, uh, we also think that component manufacturing in each one of these sectors or subsectors uh, is going to go up, and a lot of that will need FDI and hence 
some of the some of the improvements in our tax uh, rates is, is very welcome. Uh, also, the indirect tax reforms. I won't go through that, but GST. Uh, you know, a lot of electronics was actually hidden away from uh, from what you would call the organized economy. Uh, a lot of switches, fan regulators, speed regulators. A lot of stuff was actually not shown on the surface because it was done off GST. Uh, that is now coming in, and that's why you see. While the economy may not be doing all that great, our GST numbers are all climbing up because I think a lot of compliance is coming in. Uh, and I hope that this will also result in faster logistics and, and even doing business. So this is good news for the organized sector. The organized sector. Yeah, EODB is the government speech process about it, so I won't touch there. But I, I like to remind myself that the tough days of manufacturing are, are kind of behind us. And uh, while we still have a very large arc of the government, uh, Things are only improving, and I'm very happy that as someone who's been very critical, critical of the government, I share now this optimism in manufacturing growing in India. Even on the manufacturing competitors, as you say, you will see that uh, you know while we think our labour, for example, should be a huge arbitrage, it still isn't because we haven't learned to use labour then. Uh, and this is something that really partly we blame the labour laws, but much more than that, employees living close to workers. So Chinese, for example, are a great advocate, I wrote a piece long back called Six Sigma and the Slum Dweller. So our workers who we are talking before manufacturing based on them, unfortunately they still live in slums, they don't have decent. So the moment we begin to improve their quality of life, give them better working environment, better living environment, we will see that we will, that labor arbitrage will begin to show up tremendously. Electricity has always been a bane. Fortunately now I sit in NIDA, two factories in NIDA. Uh, I must say that there has been huge improvement. And uh, my generator, now I get direct free reports, uh, but I have 1.4 megawatts of generation myself. And the last six months, it is the least used equipment now in my factory because the, there is an improvement in the supplies that I get uh, over a period of time. Uh, next one, please. However, I think the journey needs to begin as I remind myself. Electronics to GDP in the world is about 4.5%, 5% now. China outdid the whole world, of course, and almost 12% of the GDP came out of this one sector, electronic hardware manufacturing. Uh, in India, we are at an abysmal less than 2% at the moment. If we catch up with China, this is six times growth. If we catch up, even catch up with the rest of the world, it's still three times, almost two and a half times growth. So we are, we are well, sort of the potential is definitely there. If you take electronics to manufacturing ratio, again, the world, one-seventh of all manufacturing is electronics. In China, one-third of all manufacturing is electronics. Uh, in India, we are still at one-tenth. And obviously, uh, you know, uh, if I take an example of a, of a new automobile, even the combustion engine one, and then you look at hybrids, and then you look at electric vehicles, the share of electronics on vehicles, in fact, we jokingly say, it's really an autonomous computer on wheels when you look at an EV, so uh, with some batteries on it. So our share is bound to grow in manufacturing and in the GDP. What is very interesting, and I remind also our policymakers about this, all countries that know, we know have, have had double, triple, uh, tripled their GDP within the period of one decade or two decades, namely Japan, South Korea, Taiwan, China, not later, Malaysia, Indonesia now, have done this, and Vietnam is a very recent example, uh, have done this on the back of embracing uh, and, and, and getting into electronic manufacturing as a mainstay industry. So our time uh, is coming now, I think, uh, and I hope that we will lead the way. Yeah, next one, please. Uh, so this is the chart that shows you the, the growth, imports, uh, uh, the exports, 
uh, of what is happening. And this is, of course, a little dated, still two years old. If you see now, we are even better. And uh, this translates to about in the last five, six years, a CAGR of 23% in electronic manufacturing in India. Now, that's not nothing. And even on the slightly better base, uh, we are all very confident. We had a, uh, you know, Azadi Kamdur also celebrated in the electronics ministry just last week. Uh, Deki won the prize for the largest contributor to electronic components of these years. Uh, largest value, uh, uh, you know, contributor. Uh, very proud of that. Uh, but we also renewed our pledge that this 23% will look more like between 25 and 30% during the next five years. So it augurs very well, of course, for where we are on that. Yeah. Next one, please. Uh, okay, a little more details about what's happening in the cellular handset or in the LCD, LED TV space. Uh, these are good figures. We are looking at two, two and a half, three times both in the next five years in almost every single subsector of electronics. And as you can see, in mobile, we are talking of 10 times in terms of at least the, uh, the value from 3 billion to going up to 30 billion dollars. Uh, in components, we have a very uh, a very small, comparatively a smaller target of 6 to 10 billion. And the reason for that is that this is typically a business in components. While in, in you know in a mobile phone assembly, uh, my turnover to uh, my investment to turnover is one is to six. That's what also the DLI scheme will talk about. Uh, in components, we are talking about one is to one, and I will come to that a little later. So even getting to 10 billion means you will have 10 billion of investment on the ground, you know, in plant and machinery, and that's not small. Uh, uh, but but we do hope that we will exceed that number very shortly. Yeah, this is what the whole export the thing is about. Uh, the support for electronic manufacturing, there are several schemes. Some of them are well-known. CLI, I'll spend less time on that. What is not known so well, I think, is the tech scheme, uh, the scheme for promotion of electronic components with semiconductors, uh, which is basically, a, 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 you know, a, a successor of the earlier scheme for NSIP, modified scheme for investment promotion in semiconductors, as it's called. And the idea here is to also give a 25% capital subsidy, uh, capital grant uh, to people investing in components. So I'll come to that, uh, if, uh, you know, very quickly. And then there is the electronic manufacturing cluster scheme. The idea is to try and develop plug-and-play infrastructure for a lot of the investment that wants to come into India in electronics. So the government has done a very wise job, uh, and we can claim some, some credit for having advised them correctly. Uh, so PLI is... Uh, uh, is uh, a revenue link, uh, you know, uh, a working capital link, or, or let's say a, yeah, a revenue side incentive, uh, capex uh, side incentive in form of some components are getting that set. And then finally, the uh, the lay of the land and, and the infrastructure is being done through the cluster scheme. And if you act with some states that are doing well, and they're kind of supplementing these schemes with their own little incentives, in some cases even GSP. Uh, uh, refunds and stuff like that. So overall, I think the government has put their best foot forward at the moment. And, and the numbers of these support schemes are all around. Okay, so uh, as, as this says, of course, for components, there is production link scheme, and there is a capex link scheme, as I just mentioned, and then states doing some more, uh, some more uh, incentives there. Uh, sorry. I want to get this borrowed. Okay, sorry, uh, yeah. And, and the sub-assembly thing, that, as you can see, there is again, uh, for example, the large ones like display assembly, you may have heard of Vedanta making a lot of uh, discussions there now. Uh, and, and then, 
in the battery storage part, which we are all looking forward to, not typically in an electronic place, uh, but but there is also a lot of thought there and GLI that come out in those sectors. And finally, in the finished goods sector, uh, in my opinion, the government did the right thing, though I'm in the component sector, that they first started incentivizing and making sure that assembly of final product begins to happen in India. We do hope that some Indian brands will now emerge, I mean, it's active as we call them. Very important that that happens because, uh, you know, we had the bill to the microtech, index, lava, carbon earlier, and they kind of disappeared. Uh, I now sit on the board of lava. Uh, and we do hope that some of these Indian companies will make their uh, make their presence there. Yeah, next one. Okay, so coming to uh, PLI scheme, okay, uh, uh, this was the kind of results that we are looking at. So when we say $400 billion, number is not coming out of anywhere. Uh, the kind of commitments that are already made in mobile uh, phone PLI and, and some components uh, is to the, uh, the production is to the $141 billion. Investments of about one and a half billion dollars already coming in, and that's the export we are looking at. Um, in components, of course, the value addition is much higher uh, uh, compared to mobile phones, and this is already a promise uh, in, uh, in the last one year of 200,000 jobs coming in, uh, which has already been fulfilled. Actually. Yeah, next one, please. These are the companies you know them well, uh, and Neolink, by the way, right in the right hand corner of the screen. Is a company that we are also into a joint venture with uh, a very small minority. It is an Israeli company. Uh, they also have a joint venture with uh, United Telelink with Carbon uh, for cell phone manufacturing. So the United Telelink is a link for that. And Neolink is something where we want to do some semiconductors in package uh, along with, uh, with this Israeli joint venture. Uh, we are a minority partner at 26% there. Yeah. Next one, please. Uh, we also, uh, Deki also has a PLI for component which is on that team which is separate, which is for the expansion that we have recently undertaken. Um, we, we know about this scheme, so I won't go into details, but, uh, and this is the PLI, whatever was left over from the PLI source of uh, cell phones and semiconductors was then rolled over and a separate scheme for, specifically for FNC components, active and passive and PCBs uh, was done, and this is the scheme under which Takey also uh, uh, has, has another approval from the government. Yeah, next one, please. Uh, the spec scheme, as I said, is a capital grant scheme, 25% of your capital given to you. Uh, and again, uh, Deki, for example, is one of the uh, one of the few companies that, in fact, I sit on the approval committee of spec, and I'm very happy to see a lot of interest from large companies like Tata, which has uh, got uh, close to 5,000 crore investment approved under that scheme, and which means that about 1,000, 1,200 crore will come from the government of India as capital grant for that one project itself. Uh, two smaller companies, which are at 5, 10 crores of investment, and even there, uh, Meiti has, uh, has been generous in agreeing to this 25%. There were some uh, procedural issues in the NSF that were problems in getting that money. We also got, we had two NSF schemes that they keep. We got the money for the first one, second one, we are still going through the procedural issues. Uh, so the money comes too late, there were a lot of issues, and I suspect this trying to address a lot of them, and I'm quite happy to report that it's fairly positive. Next one, please. Uh, indicated companies, okay, uh, you know, I'll leave this presentation so you can look at it. But what is very interesting is that now uh, component and technology companies from Japan, from Taiwan, uh, Europe, and, in, uh, and U.S. are showing a lot of interest in what's happening in India. Uh, China is deliberately not mentioned here, but we do think that they will continue to play an important role in what is happening in India. Uh, not just as traders, but also as, uh, as manufacturers. 
this is of course BLIC also for IT hardware. Uh, we didn't see enough traction in this area and the last thing is I think everybody's looking at an incentive of 5 to 6 percent. This team started at 2 percent, uh, 4 percent and going down to 2 percent. A lot of players in IT hardware find that was not enough. Uh, but but I'm very happy that some players, including Nixon, for example, uh, uh, you know, and uh, have shown interest, and they've been given that that uh, that approval recently. Yeah. Uh, uh, so yeah. Before I go to semiconductor, let me just uh, pause for a minute and say, so what do these schemes really translate to? So to me, if I put 100 crores to the ground, let's say in a mobile phone kind of assembly, I would get a turnover of 600 crores. And on that 600 crores, the government would give me 6%, that's 36 crores. So on my investment of 100 crores, I had got back 36 crores as uh, part of my investment, right, in, in the next four years, if everything went well. Um, uh, add to this, in some states, there is also some 1% more being given from PLI, and that's great. For the component guys like myself, if I put 100 crores on the ground, I would make uh, a turnover of 100 crores only, or maybe 150 crores if I got very lucky. And, and hence, the incentive was only on my turnover. So I would get only 6 crores at 6% or 5%, average 5%. Only 5 crores to my 100 crores. And we went to the government and said, hey, this is unfair. The more value I add, the kind of jobs I create are very high quality, sustainable jobs compared to what happens in assembly. And I'm trying to bring in technology into the country, so you're being unfair to me. And frankly, it won't happen, which is why you see that the traction on assembly, what I call low value added manufacturing is more at the moment than it is on deep down manufacturing, which is what is required. And my personal take on this, and it's purely personal, it's not even CIS cases that I make, is that the whole team was changed at Maiti, both the ministers. So, you know, uh, Mr. Avishankar Prasad was, was later on substituted by Ashwini Vaisonji, who was actually, in my opinion, uh, I had a nice chat with him the other day. Uh, really, somebody who's an electronics engineer, been in the business, understands that. And then Rajiv Chandrasekhar Ji, again, who's been, he, was, he has designed a circuit by himself, and he goes in BPL. So he's not a company, understands what brands are made of. And very happy that both of them said, look, our job and what we are asked to do by the Prime Minister is very clear. Is to be got to ensure that all types of electronics is assembled in India. So whether it's wearables and hairables and you know watches and stuff like that, which we don't do at the moment, stop trading or reduce trading, get into assembly. And wherever assembly is already happening, get deep down into components for that. So whether it's displays or semiconductors or capacitors or PCBs, we need to get down there and do that. So I told them fair and I know committees like the ones I had have been telling the government this very, very clearly. If you want that to happen, then the 5% PLI alone for components is not enough. Given the 25% spec, yes, makes sense. In a way, you're giving back 30%. But we are still asking for more because some components still have difficulties. So we are looking at technology acquisition funds as an example. We are looking at some help in terms of GST, etc. Uh, so I will continue to report to people like you but I don't think, quite frankly, I mean, you know, I'm not speaking to the government here. I don't think government has ever given away 30% investment uh, as a grant in any other sector before. So if we can't do it now, then we'll never be able to do it. So that's the kind of mood there is in all my colleagues and etc. And I think the, the best part is that uh, the electronic sector used to actually never get money from the bank. Always looked at us saying this is risk capital, high risk capital, will these guys make it, obsolescence, technology issues like that. But what has happened with Dixon and later with Amber and it's going to happen to a few other companies that are coming to the market. I'm very happy that the, the public at large, the, the investment community like yourself, 
is beginning to recognize the value of this sector and beginning to reward it. And I think that that really to me uh, uh, is all we needed. So the stars are lining up, the government, the industry, and now I would say the investment community coming together. Uh, I, I think uh, what China, the numbers I showed you for China, well, they did it in the last 20, 25 years. We have the next 10 years to get it. And I think that of that, the next five years is obviously the most important. Uh, now, coming to semiconductor, everybody asked this question, are we going to do it, etc., etc., can we do without it? But the truth is that uh, of late, and this, I wouldn't have said this two years ago, but in the last two, three years, in my opinion, the world has completely changed uh, in many ways. And one of the new changes I see is that we were talking of it's good to have one more alternative supplier to China. The world was beginning to talk that language. Now it's become very clear, geopolitical, geo-economic issues. Then there is weaponization of semiconductors, actually. And, and I can, um, I anticipate that there's weaponization, which means that not just refusal to get some technologies, or some supply chains, access to some supply chains or technologies, there is also going to be a huge increase in prices. And we've seen in the last six months, wherever people were very, very dependent on China, component prices and material prices have gone up by 30 to 40 percent. Lots of commodities have gone up like that. Where else in the world did you see that six months there is a 30-40% increase in commodities? So quite clearly, uh, we may not use an aggressive term like weaponization, but there are strategic shifts happening across supply chains, and of course China being the center of this, this will continue to happen. So I think this need to have things locally, uh, and I don't want to sound like an RSS guitarist, but Atman Alberta is actually a strategic need that we have today. So it's not anymore a fancy idea. And, and uh, in a sector like electronics, we will always be globally integrated. So I never want to say that we are not going to depend on imports. But the more we have of our own, you know, uh, the less the chances. Today, uh, you know, PCBs are not made in this India, you know, in this country. So tomorrow if somebody refuses to give us PCB on some protection or the other, like batteries, you know, uh, simple air, India did that. Air conditioning, we said, anybody coming with gases charged, refrigerant, food and gases charged, will not be allowed to spend. And that was a huge entry barrier. Now, such barriers to trade are going to be put by all countries. And hence, having more of our own is always going to be a better idea. And towards that, the expression of interest, um, I know a little more about it, which I can't share in public, uh, but uh, suffice to say that I will not be surprised that if in the next six months we will have some real signatories and awardees of semiconductor grants, uh, and in the next uh, three years we will actually have one, or maybe more than one fan in India. Add to that the ATMPs and stuff like that that comes along with it. I think uh, this, is, this is moving finally. This needs to move. Yeah. Next one, please. Sorry. I need to rush up a little bit because I think I'm taking too long on this. So I, I won't go into the details of the category A, B, C, or semiconductors. You can read it yourself, but if there are questions, I'll take Next one, please. Uh, yeah, I've spoken about PLI schemes. Uh, one uh, sort of cautionary note around PLIs, which I've also been given the policy papers. On the one hand, this is differentiating between people who are putting money down now and people who put money earlier. So it gives them a 5%, 6% competitive advantage. Uh, if, if, if I were making capacity, I refuse to go to PLI because saying I already have enough capacity and I don't see the market. Quite frankly, some competition from somewhere else can come to more to India or another Indian competitor can come up and beat me by 5% on my profitability or on my, on my competitiveness just by PLI. Uh, Second point, a new company will get a 15% income tax rate. As an existing company, I paid 25% income tax plus the step. So that's another differentiator between the two. So 
uh, in a way the government, whether they design it or that or not, we are all being pushed to invest more. And then companies that are not investing and keeping up will be left behind. Now that's not, maybe it was not designed that way, but that's the reality today. And hence, uh, we are pushing very hard with the government that we need specific schemes for MSMEs. People who could not, because the thresholds of BLI are quite high in many cases. So specific schemes, uh, you know, why can't, for example, uh, a wire be wound around a tonight to make a transformer? You know, anybody can do it at home in a small uh, workshop. And, and why should that be imported? And that is still being imported as high as 50% of our transformers are still imported, or ferrites, or, you know, or inductors are still imported. And so there is a lot of scope for us to do those basic components, and I do hope the government is listening. Next one, please. Yeah, okay. So that's some of the Indian champions uh, that are already uh, well there and some of the brands that we have. So I will, I will stop with this and uh, over to you, other say, for questions. Um, that was very, very comprehensive, uh, you know, very informative, and thanks for uh, running us through the presentation. Uh, you spoke about several policies that government has initiated. What is it that you would like to see more? Is there still an area wherein you think we are lacking any policy measure which is required, uh, and what is it that you are pushing for? Yes, yeah, so I will put that into, uh, so there are three objectives that we have in the electronic system. Like I said, one was, uh, to cover some of the assemblies that are not there. So the horizontal still needs to go. Uh, uh, an example, like I said, could be drones. We are still implementing mm -hmm. And uh, given the new open drone policy that come out, which is fantastic, uh, there is a huge amount of scope. You know, and where that will go, we don't know. And uh, or robotics, uh, you know, uh, Industry 4.0. So there are a lot of products out there that are still being uh, thought of. We need to start it. Electric vehicles is a very, very big area. Uh, electric motors, finally nothing but electronics, all these DLDC motors, inverter air conditioning used to be considered electrical, is purely electronic today. So, there are areas where we are not fully in the, and, and then the penetration of them, the number of air conditioners we have or the, you know, per capita is very, very low, lowest in the world probably. Uh, so, some policies around that, GST, why should you be charging 18 or 24 percent on items like that. So, there are a few measures to horizontalize the system. Uh, the next one is to deepen, which needs a complete different thing on compensation, I already mentioned. PLI is to be tailor-made for that. So if you want to compensate, so we were, uh, I was very critical of when the mobile policy came out, same reason, that if you are for a valuation of 15%, you look at a mobile phone guy, he has to make it in India, he has no choice, because there is a 20% import duty, and there is a 5%, 6% PLI. So you give him a 26% reason to make it here. While at the same time, when the PCB for the mobile phone, he gets only a 5% on the turnover and he adds value up to 40 50% uh, you know, from the laminator. He doesn't have laminates in India. And there is a zero duty of PCB. I can import those PCBs. So you have to think out of the box for components and there is, uh, obviously if you look at semiconductors and displays, and then the story is even more because you're looking at investments upwards of a billion dollars per unit. This is not, uh, you know, it's not many people will have the courage or the money to do. So there is a lot of thinking to be done. And the third piece is around uh, what I would call at the end of the day, you know, whether we like it or not, a Japanese guy wants to use a Japanese car, which is a Japanese taxi, I've dealt with these people in my business. Even a cab they want is a Japanese cab, you know. And uh, so, uh, a Chinese one, they want down to do the same, so if you want Indians and Indian ecosystem to develop, Indian brands have to come, Indian designs have to be used, which ask for Indian problems. 
you know, unless that happens, and that's a way off. I mean, this is the most difficult part in my opinion. But I'm very happy that a lot of people have come to the XSK founder. Uh, he, after retirement, has now come back and he's formed something called Epic, um, Electronic Product Innovation Consortium, where he's saying, okay, I will design the semiconductor. I will do some kind of seed funding, uh, you know, in a Section 8 company and give that, that semiconductor design to free or very cheap to everybody. Whether it's LEDs or cheaper tablets for education today. So lots of this new thinking is coming. It's the most difficult part. But it is true that unless we don't learn to design our products, uh, you know, manufacturing and design, there is still a lot of work. It does not get done state. Uh, so if somebody does it uh, in, in Maharashtra, for example, you know, uh, then the state government needs to respond and needs to, we have got electronics to center stage in organizations like PII. Earlier manufacturing, they only talk about auto. Now everybody talks. Uh, so large companies like Hero, for example, Tata, uh, LNG, many others, uh, Vedanta, uh, are beginning to look at electronics seriously now. Uh, in, in the industry organizations like CII, Vicky, and Azuchan, but also in the central government, these, I think they are there. But in the state government, only some state governments have realized the importance of this. UP did very well. Uh, you know, I can take a little bit if I was chairman of the CII, UP council, for two years, uh, two years ago. We are pushing hard. But the state governments need to also get their act together. What central government has done, they, they begin to match that. Tamil Nadu is doing well, Andhra Pradesh is doing okay, Telangana is doing well. But the other people really, really do come. And this is a fantastic picture Sure, sure. Um, and, and the component bit that you spoke about and you've uh, kind of referred a few times, is it purely because as of now the government's focus is just to get it assembly done in the country and you think that the second derivative, maybe two years, three years, four years later, uh, will come when we start looking more seriously at increasing valuation and therefore incentives will also start moving more towards competent construction. Yeah, no, good question. So components are suffering from two things. One is, if I had the same 100 rupees to put, where would I put it? Because everybody was looking uh, at a higher turnover, you know, uh, and then automatically the return on investment is slightly better, etc. And components is not only capital intensive, it's cheap intensive. Uh, you know, I have the 650 people in Noida. Very difficult for me to move into another state now because how will I find 600 people who have this kind of skill? In assembly, it's not that difficult to do. I can teach people parallelly to do these things and many automated assembly lines are available. Components, you will have a little difficulty. And finally, it's also very technology intensive. So if, uh, making a capacitor, I know, for 30 years, but making it at that size, only some people know. You know, so again, those kind of issues are there. Uh, so not many people ventured into this. Uh, it wasn't uh, as profitable as it used to be. And I think what is happening is what you see in semiconductors, for example, why I be short? Many reasons. But one of the reasons also is that the existing players are not making enough money. So, uh, you know, ceramic capacitors also the same thing happens. So there is consolidation happening. Smaller companies are dying out. And so it's a sector that's going through a big turmoil, you know. Uh, and while we call them components, a connector is very different from a PCB, is very different from a capacity. So each one is an industry by itself, you know. Uh, and we don't have the supply chains for them, so that was the other reason. And the most important reason was that uh, everybody said, hey, why do I need to bother with this? I can buy it from China and it's at zero duty. So the zero duty was actually the death knell of this industry. Uh, I think the government has learned that lesson. They agree in public now that they made a blunder. Uh, so, to enable, and I keep saying that even the auto industry that thinks they're great and very competitive, you allow cars to come in at zero duty, second-hand cars from America, you and I will begin to 
get our cousins to send us a second hand Tesla from America tomorrow. You know, it's a pump available. And we will see how many cars in India will be able to compete. So, competing in a zero duty environment is a different kettle of fish. Requires the strategic intent from the government and from the industry. So, last place I would say, you know what, whatever happens, 5% I'm going to buy locally. Or 10% I'm going to buy locally. And that's beginning to happen. Uh, partly Atmanembar, and we are also pushing other things with the government, for example, DPIIT. Uh, this, this Make it India should have a rating. When I buy a laptop, I should know is this a Chinese traded laptop or is it a laptop that has 10% Indian value addition or 50% value addition. And maybe as citizens, we will begin to, uh, to reward the one with 50% value addition. So it's work in process. It will always be harder than the other. Uh, unlike Maruti, when they came in, they said we will put this, but we will have all components locally. Because that was largely government thinking at that stage. But when you try to do it in a zero duty environment, you say you can do what you want, it's completely market exposed. Then component is going to be always harder. But I can tell you when they come in, they are going to be sustaining for a much longer time. And from an investment perspective, that will be very interesting. Sure, that, that's very clear. Vinod, we have a couple of questions from the audience. Uh, uh, Adish, please unmute yourself and go Mr. Sharma, thanks a lot for your time. Uh, very elaborate presentation. I just had one question. Obviously, our government is very desirous of uh, bringing in semiconductor capacity in our country. Where do you think realistically would there be, you know, um, a speed breaker on uh, this desire? And what is the realistic time frame we should assume, you know, uh, some bit of semiconductor value chain moves in India? Thank you, sir. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. So, semiconductors, like I said, is of course the most difficult part. Uh, for two reasons, uh, investment heavy, technology uh, extremely heavy. The reason it didn't happen in my opinion, these are first two opinions that I made. Uh, one was, that, you know, even in the earlier avatar, we had a sort of an emphasis, in fact, used to be called this. It was a semiconductor, uh, uh, semiconductor incentive package scheme. And companies like Bozobair, I remember then with other 10 companies had applied. Um, quite frankly, people got scared, and this I know personally, some, uh, some people in the government got scared in signing such a large check. So if you make an investment of even a billion dollars, everybody is worried that it's gold-plated, that the right numbers are not reported to them, and how do you give 25%, 30% incentive on a billion dollars? And who's going to write that, that $300 million check, you know? Uh, so questions will be asked. So, quite frankly, I think uh, uh, no, no secretary was willing to do that. And they kept pushing the, uh, the can down the road, literally. You know. uh, that has changed now because, in my opinion, I think the government is soon going to form a kind of a commission or a mission or something they're going to call it. Uh, put a lot of heads together so that it's not one person who's taking the call, but several eminent people taking the call together. Uh, basically, so that, you know, the triple C of CBI, CBP, etc. doesn't get after them. Uh, you know, that's one aspect which is not often talked about, but it's a reality in a very vibrant democracy like India. Uh, the second bit of it was that you wanted to get technology people and marketing guys coming together. What I mean by that is that the aggregation of demand has to happen in India. So, if this had come in 10 years ago, or 5 years ago, uh, there was a general problem saying, who are you going to make these semiconductors for? Because a lot of it was coming in as products and from assemblies or PPD assemblies. Nobody was taking a decision to design that semiconductor in India or say, hey, this is the design I want. Now, that's the thing that happens. If you look at an education tablet in India, can be done on one platform, and, and hence, there is an aggregated demand. LEDs, you already have an aggregate. It's a very good example of aggregation of demands when 
eventually ujala scheme and you know a double esl brought down the prices of of these lids from 300 rupees to some 40 rupees in a period of 18 19 months a uh, long lead has jumped in so we have the numbers today and so if the government can make it quite easy and they might put it as a part of scheme saying okay all this is available you got to buy this locally so we can't put a duty on the manufacturer to definitely do something uh, uh, which is not tariff you know uh, set up boxes i mean everybody is and now we are we are Uh, you know, upgrading the technology set of box now, and that could be actually a two-way communication device in your house. So, if we look at from that angle and the CAS standard, the conditional access standard, if that is mandated by the government, has to be used as well. Uh, then again, the conductors will get a big play. So, I think the, the corrections they need to do in our business, and they are working on this. I know is on both sides. One is how do you make people who take these decisions risk-free to some extent. Uh, and not be as discovered as they have been for personal reasons uh, or historical reasons. And the second one is how do you make sense that semiconductors will generally begin to make money in this country, which is not always the case. Now with autos and EVs, and we have many examples. So there is real interest, and it will happen. Uh, talking about the time frame, my guess, I am not, uh, you know, to be the most of that, is in six months you will definitely have people uh, actually announcing uh, a real investment project. And in about definitely a time frame of two and a half to three years, I feel that our first step should be ready. And they may not be, uh, you know, the mistake we've been making is we think of fabs as digital fabs and the ones that Intel has or uh, or uh, TSMC has. No, no, we're not going to do that. Uh, we need fabs, uh, you know, a very simple, uh, easy fabs which can even be done at three hundred million dollars, five hundred million dollars, half a billion dollars, uh, and that kind of investment is also very welcome because we frankly don't make anything right. And along with that, you look at the fabulous companies, the design companies, which you already have a lot, a lot of talent in the country. And then you look at ATMs, uh, the assembly desk marketing, and a couple of companies already announced interest there. It's going to happen. OSAS and stuff like that. So I think it's going to happen sooner than we think. That's very encouraging to hear, sir. The next question which we have is from uh, Shrinath Krishnan. Yeah, thanks, Aditya. Thanks a lot, Manoj, for this elaborate presentation. You, you know, you mentioned how you have scaled up the organization from nearly 10 capacitors per year to to nearly 4 million capacitors, 10 million capacitors per year to nearly 4 million capacitors per day. So, wanted to understand, you know, with three uh, to five years out with electric vehicles, setting up of charging capacity, you know, charging stations, how does demand for capacitors move? You know, what for the you know for for a country, what is the what is the manufacturing? Uh, current manufacturing levels now, and how can they change three five years out? So uh, yeah, thank you for asking the question. Film uh, capacitor is one of those very few components that is made substantially in India. Uh, it is not true of uh, PCB, it is not true of electrolytic capacitors, ceramic capacitors, resistors. Almost it's either transformers, which for labor productivity reasons has stayed in India very much, uh, and film capacitors for some other reasons. Uh, odd reason because I think there were quite a few electronic capacitor makers at one time, Kunsumi, uh, Kelson, Astron. You may have heard of many of these words. Uh, you know, Philips used to make uh, all of them disappear. Somehow, in some capacitors, we managed to keep our head above water. And there are a few companies in India that are doing reasonably well. And also, some capacitors, not only electronic capacitors, I think there are many companies that make large power factor correction capacitors which are used outside your building uh, uh, to to uh, to change the inductive load on the line. Uh, correct the power factor we say. So if you look at the whole gamut, uh, in spite of that many companies being in India, 
the companies that make in India and serve India, we are still, I think, my guess is we are about 30% of the market share. And 70% would be largely imported. Having said that, there are two large companies, Vishay, which used to be Philips, and uh, Edcorp uh, Siemens, which is now TDK, the Japanese group. Uh, these two companies make a lot in India. They've been making for 50 years now. Uh, in fact, Edcorp for about 30 years and Vishay for 50 years. And they both export almost everything they make in India. So they use India as a factory base. They don't sell very much in India. They don't compete so much with people like us. Uh, uh, they tell us that we are too competitive, but maybe they have, they definitely have better, better market elsewhere in the world. So they use it as a manufacturing base. There are two, two things. One, that as a manufacturing base for capacitors, we are not that here. And possibly, in some capacitors, and now this is a little bit of a detail, it so happens that it's one of the products that we also now begin to get a patent supply chain coming in place. So we have uh, Expo, one of these regular companies, uh, making base polypropylene films in India. We have several people metallizing the films in India. Uh, there are large, more than 10 metallizing companies in India. Uh, and then there are capacitor bases. Uh, and then recently there's been an announcement by Jindal Polyfilm. They, they bought, in fact, they bought a German line, like uh, uh, sorry, in, in Germany, which is basically making films. They have 10 polypropylene lines in Germany making films for the world. This Jindal Polyfilm bought that company in Germany. Obviously, they are very excited about the prospects and they are now putting the first film line in India. Uh, they they uh, expect to put a second one after two years. And they are also bringing in their own metalizers. So, for one time, seeing a supply chain is coming in place. So, my personal take is that, uh, you know, from 30% market share in India, we should get to 60-70% market share within the next three, four years within India and become a reasonable exporter. So, it might be one component... I Quite frankly, I don't know why the stars are lining up in this beautiful way, but this is one area I'm very bullish about. In film capacitors, we can become actually, probably it'll be the first component in my in my opinion, uh, that will be a substantial volume outside time. And if you look at even currently, we did an expansion under the CLI inspect thing. The first phase, if you come to my fact team, right, uh, Google has seen that. We have 120 winding machines lined up in a clean room together. If, in my opinion, uh, and maybe maybe I'm not 100% uh, sure about this information, but it's one of the largest capacities outside China in Asia already. And and definitely we want to double that, uh, you know, in, in the next two, three years. Uh, we, we are pledged in BLI that we will do that. So a few more things, if they, if they come together, we will definitely do that. Yes, but, you know, with NFC Quake, does, you know, demand multiply for your space? Yeah. Uh, very interesting question. Okay. Why, yeah, yeah, I would dwell a little more than just electric vehicle and say what I see today is happening is energy in transition. So it's happening in mobility, and that is why we we put a lot of investment and efforts in a company called IPEC in Bangalore, which we make electric vehicle chargers uh, for Acer and now for Ola and hopefully for the other two-wheeler companies. We focus on two-wheelers because, quite frankly, the two-wheeler play I was not able to understand in my mind. Uh, these are larger players, and they do not entertain people like us. So if I go to a Ford or a Maruti or, you know, a Mahindra, that will take longer. So we went to the two-wheeler segment and we did very well there in charges. Uh, and in e-mobility, so we play a role in electric vehicles, uh, whether it's battery management systems, whether it's the electronic drives of these motors, uh, capacitors will definitely play a big role. Uh, normally capacitors, we're also looking at now seriously at supercapacitors, which is, in a way, could be put on a chart between capacitors and batteries. So, uh, you know, and then there is this whole concept of what we call capacity, capacitor, supercapacitor, and batteries uh, coming together. We are working on some, some projects on, on that. So, EV sounds very good to us. 
the other side that's happening is renewable. So the whole business of solar and base, I'm very happy with the, with the kind of commitment we've made in, in the recent COP26. Uh, again, uh, in an inverter of a solar, you know, what you see under a, a solar panel, the inverter has a lot of capacitors, all types of capacitors, large capacitors, DC range and snuggers as we call them. The use of semiconductors in all these areas augurs very well for us because of capacitors that protect those semiconductors. Uh, high temperature films are required now and we are working on that. And the last one is about hydrogen as a fuel, both for stationary application uh, and for mobility. Uh, Mr. Ambani is of course uh, putting in a lot of money there. Electrolysis or hydrolysis is nothing, but again you use a lot of power electronics and again you use, uh, amongst other components, you use a lot of, uh, a lot of capacitors. So it's the first time I'm seeing, at least in my life and I'm sure in yours, uh, there is a massive transformation happening uh, in the energy sector as a large energy and enabler as a driver. I'm so happy that at least that's the way I see uh, that we play a role in each one of these and I'm quite happy and which is why I'll be knocking on the doors of very smart people like you, saying now begin to put your money where your mouth is. You know, because we will have some role to play as a key or as diversified companies in each one of these plays. And uh, my technical team, we have a we have a R&D lab that uh, that gets uh, an IT grant because it's recognized by the government for the last nine years. Uh, so we're doing all of work there, and, and I hope some of it at least could be different all. Yeah, my last question, you know, extra you mentioned is about tripling, nearly tripling capacity. Do uh, you think uh, there is sufficient demand, you know, in the next few years, like there's so much demand in capacitor side that can come through? Yeah, I think uh, they are bringing to bed very heavily on two things. One is that the actual cost of manufacturing something in India is now beginning to become compared. So if this guy has a German company, you know, they are probably looking at export doubling and these guys are looking at first one line and one more line now. Uh, so both of them uh, are globally competitive today. So they are also looking at exports in a big way. Uh, the metalizers are bringing them also uh, climb onto this bandwagon and say, you know what, give me the films and I will export the metalized films to the world. And finally, capacitor players are playing our role, not only making for India, but export. So I think these capacities, uh, partly for India, uh, you know, the next two, three, four years, whatever happens will be enough for India, but then I think our eyes are all also now on becoming a global brand. Uh, so uh, I wish them well and I quite frankly with 20, 20 plus years of 25 years of experience that I have now, uh, intuitively I feel that we are on the right track and they are on the right track. Sure, and sir. Thank you. Yeah, I do remember that China got there also exactly in this. You know, it's unless forces come together. In India we've never had this, except in the auto sector. No other manufacturing sector has the supply chains come together. And uh, mm. like, I don't know why it's happening. Sarnath is lighting up well. Uh, you know, I won't say the company. Of course, each one of us is taking a strategic call. Uh, but I'm very happy the way it's coming together. And at least in this one tiny sector, I think, uh, you know, uh, I, I see a lot of hope. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, we have a question from Bhavan. Bhavan, please go ahead. Yep, uh, thank you, you know, for the presentation, very interesting. Uh, two things, you mentioned that uh, there is an inverted duty uh, issue. So, as a uh, assembler, you have a 20% duty and 5% advantage on PLI. Uh, uh, but as a component, the advantage is not as uh, much. So, in your view, what are the, uh, the policy level changes that are happening 
uh, or proposed by the industry to change uh, this house. Right. So as I said, yeah. So no. So in, I, I didn't use the word inverted duty if I remember. And because the inverted duty was where, if I make a PCB, for example, and if that PCB is allowed to come in at zero duty, but my laminate comes in at ten percent, then it would be inverted, which it is. But government has given us a contractual certificate, there's a scheme that allows all the inputs to come in at zero. It's a little procedurally a little too, but but uh, the effective rate is still zero. So, so I can't call it inverted duty. And to be fair, the government has been asking every pre-budget uh, uh, time like now, if there's any inverted duty, please, because they've agreed in principle to, to remove all inverted duty. Um, in some cases, there is inverted GST cases are there, and I hope those will be taken care of, which means that you have a, uh, you know. Uh, now, coming to the components, what they're asking for, as, I, uh, as you rightly mentioned, is that it is not as attractive for us as it is for an assembler, and hence we've seen a lot of things happening in the assembly side, and not enough on the manufacturing. So the three key things we've asked them for is, one is, uh, we look at the PLI from that perspective. One is, in, uh, you know, the threshold of the PLI are very high. Why should a component guy have to invest minimum 100 crores? Uh, what is the problem if he wants to invest 10 crores? And still be a part of the scheme. Obviously, you will only pay him as based on his incentive, on his investment, sorry. So, so allow more and more people, make it a grassroots movement, it is, components is done SMEs everywhere. There are countries in the world that make components, but there are also very small companies in China, Taiwan, Korea that are making it. And so why not let us do that? And they are very able to it, and I do see some changes happening uh, The second is, recognize the investment turnover ratio, that it is not 1 is to 6, but it is 1 is to 1. And hence, either you increase the rate of uh, incentive to give up for 12%, uh, I hope that they will at least agree to somewhere in between 10 and 12%. Uh, or, uh, that's one part, and the third part is, uh, allow us a fund which we can use uh, to acquire new technology for companies, for example, to buy out technology from people, you know. Uh, and basically, if these three things come together, and of course the electronic manufacturing chapter, that's a little bit about detail, but we have formed in Elsina, the uh, electronic association, we formed our own chapter in Vivaldi and put 58 of the land. Small experiment, uh, you know, done well so far. And I, I think it's being immunitated now. State, the new cluster policy, for example, the state have to lead it. Because when we did this in Dubai, we found that the Rajasthan state government was leading more like a landlord saying, you have taken the land, now you do what you want with it. Uh, you know, and uh, they were not part of the process. But now the new policy, the central government will give Rajasthan state government some money and the association some money to, to do it together. It's a better scheme. So, uh, so plug and play infrastructure, and when all this comes together, we do things that uh, that components will begin to happen. Uh, so these are the three asks we have on the government. One is on the cluster side, uh, one is on the technology enablement side, and of course the PLI and spec scheme. Spec is fine, but PLI we want them to increase uh, from the current average 5% to current average of 10%. And in fact, uh, recently, just last week, uh, we have also put all these points to the minister in a report back session directly. Also, in your presentation, you mentioned that uh, MFIPS uh, had certain uh, issues wherein the uh, incentives were not being uh, given to the owner, but the spec has kind of ironed out those issues. So, what were uh, the critical issues and what uh, are the changes that have been made and which makes you comfortable now the incentives from the government? Excellent. That's a nice in-depth question. 
So, yeah, let me give. So, what happened in MSIP? Let me take two examples that come to my mind. One, MSIP said, like all government policies first, would say you have to wait for an approval letter from the government before you can start making those investments. And what they realized in success was that uh, when you applied to the government to make it to the Ministry of Electronics, uh, and you got an approval this time, was sometimes taking as long as a year. Because the government in their wisdom said, hey, this is getting too cumbersome for our officers. So they introduced, uh, uh, you know, uh, Pricewaterhouse or, uh, you know, two, three other IFTI and agencies like that to monitor these uh, applications, to vet them, to prepare them and put them in front of the approval committee and the approval committee will meet. And there were a lot of issues. Uh, and, and so it was going to take too long between. And, and a project could not wait for one year or 15 months or 18 months without knowing when it will be approved. And if you had ordered a machine uh, before the date of the approval, then you won't get that money. Uh, so, so one thing we managed to get the prevail on the government is saying, you know, this is not okay. You put a website or a portal. I put my application there. You can take 15 days, 20 days, acknowledge that application. Not approve it. Acknowledge means you know who I am. You know that I have clear intent. Give me a date of acknowledgement. And from the date of acknowledgement, I should get on to my work. I take a risk. If I don't get an approval, too bad. But, but at least you will not disqualify me because I started work on that day. So fortunately, they agreed and, and uh, specs has exactly this format. Second was, you know, for example, substantial expansion was a part of the objective of MSIP and is of specs. So you can be a new company or you can have a substantial expansion. Now, substantial expansion will define then as 25% value capacity. And then the capacity was defined as number of people a day. Now, I could be making uh, big capacitors, and tomorrow I decide to make small capacitors, my capacity numbers will look expanded. So the government, somewhere to MSIP said, okay, we will only go by, uh, so okay, we are not bothered about 25%, now let's look at only your gross block. And if you add 25% to the gross block, we will agree that this is, this is substantial expansion. So that happened. Uh, a third related thing was, what is plant and machinery itself is not defined. So they would say a compressor which I uh, use for my pneumatic tools, uh, you know, would not be a part of machinery, but I can't operate my machines without compressed air. So fortunately, they've now agreed and said all utilities are part of plant machinery. So there was these little, and we realized with the government that, so you know, they used to use very fancy words like uh, state-of-the-art technology will be brought in. Now, it's very easy to say in a preamble of a scheme, but when you go to an audit and a PWC or a ISCI, some, uh, you know, with due respect to them, so Babu asked me, please prove that your capacity of state-of-the-art technology, I have no answer. And I told them, on the contrary, you know, if it was state-of-the-art, I wouldn't be making it. Probably, you know, Japan or US was making it, so let's be, uh, you know, let's wake up and spend the coffee. They're not there yet. So we've got clauses like that removed as with all this ambiguity needs to go out. So there are, there are some improvements. Fortunately, also the approval committee, and there is also what they call a steering committee, so those two were formed because sometimes it was a question saying, is this component an electrical component or an electronic component? Is this capacitor an electricity capacitor or a component? Who decides this? And this would take the wait for a year. So we put a steering committee on top with some industry advisors there and said, you give it to these guys, they'll be consummate that decides this. And the government is actually quite happy to have somebody decide. You know, I think the problem is when a joint secretary, with due respect to them, has to take all these decisions and can be called back after three years rather than, you know, right or wrong. Uh, I think it's a little unfair on him to, or her too. So, so those have been ironed out. Uh, and it results in, and I'm happy we are doing that because partly that responsibility was businessmen like us. But the trouble is that businessmen like us are too, too busy trying to survive or make money or whatever. So who will guide these people, you know? So an IS officer who comes in as joint secretary, probably never seen a capacitor plant in his life. 
I especially take all these fancy decisions about education and specs. So unless we educate them, and so that second hand that I wear of spending enough time with these people, uh, I'm happy I do it and I'm happy I'm not alone. Possibly there are many of my colleagues who do the same thing. So together we are able to make some changes, and, and I think that, that's the way an industry is built or a nation is built. Slowly but surely. Uh, thank you so much for taking your question. Because I understand we have run out of time, uh, there's one more question. If you are okay, we can take that question. Thanks, thanks. Gopal, uh, please go ahead with your question. Uh, am I audible? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks a lot for the opportunity. Uh, the question was uh, regarding. Uh, uh, there has been uh, almost any uh, uh, section being considered for PL and uh, so so the idea is to understand how government decides you know uh, which sector is PLI and what should be the percentage whether it should be uh, you know X percentage of cross uh, lock as a you know payback or uh, you know either it should be five ten twelve. So if you can just give some, you know, three, four uh, uh, broad points. Yeah. yeah, okay. And I'm not sure if I'm the best person to answer that, so I'm going to hazard a guess. I've been on the PLI for electronics, but uh, the rest I, I'm obviously not as associated with them. Uh, however, so what is happening is that uh, PLI for mobile uh, was a very targeted scheme, and I think the government uh, took notice uh, of the fantastic success that it had. And, and the reason there was very clearly, like I said, uh, there were some large companies that were willing to make a big investment, but they had a little hump that they needed to cross. And uh, government and Belgium said, you know what, we want to look like, and this came right to the top, uh, where they said, we want to be not a large importer of mobile phones, but an assembler of mobile phones. So, quite, uh, you know, in fact, uh, you're probably aware that the 20% duty that was imposed on mobile phones was we were hauled up in WTO and that case was still pending. Uh, the government of India is fighting it. And uh, it was done with clear uh, sort of understanding that we will be called up at WTO because under ITA 1, while at that point of time in 1998 when mobile, this ITA 1 was signed, uh, mobile phone was not a specific category of electronic equipment at that point of time. But there is, uh, depending on which side you want to look at, uh, which side you sit on, you will interpret it accordingly. So the government took a very bold decision in my opinion and it said, we will see what happens, but let's use the 20% duty as a as a way to establish an assembly unit in India, an assembly uh, nation of assembly mobile phones, and exporting them. And then they think the backward question, what are you going to get out of it? So if you do the math, it's very, very interesting. I think it's a fantastic scheme from a government perspective also. They are actually giving you back much lesser than the amount of taxes you are giving them in those five years. So you look at the investment, you look at the amount, and we have a calculation sheet for that. As an industry, actually, we are always paying the government in advance for the PLI that we get next year. Because this is a front-loaded scheme. So I first make the investment. I employ the people. I actually manufacture it. I create the turnover. I give you the GST on that. Uh, there, one can argue that the GST may have come through imports also. But I do GST even my supply chain on that. Then I employ that many people. I give you income tax. When I do all this, after one year, you are going to give me my money if I meet the both conditions of the threshold, meeting the threshold of investment and the government. So the government obviously smelled 
that this is a great thing. And the fact that it worked well for one sector, they started with the other. Now, what is their fine calculation? Why 2% for electronic hardware or 5% for LED? I'm not privy to that, except that they, are, uh, they, they do a lot of stakeholder consultation. So, a good example is what DPIIT did with LEDs and ACs. And they said, you know what, we are only assembling everything in India. So, I'm going to give zero budget for assembling AC or LED, and I'm going to put all that money that I'm getting as a budget, 11,000, whatever that was, towards making the essential components of those two. So, obviously, some uh, large players, I know, people like Blue Stars or Gold Stars or Dakins or those, well, we're not happy with that. Uh, you know, but then they said, okay, when they saw that this was the policy, uh, they, they said, okay, we'll start making the companies making the comparison, companies making the, uh, the fins for it now, and the copper tubing, uh, and, uh, you know, the aluminum fins, uh, radiators, all that is coming in, including a lot of the PCB boards for inverter air conditioners. So, I think it's a piece by piece. I won't comment on how the pharma, etc. has gone, or the food processing uh, has gone, but I do hear some amount of criticism about that. Uh, but I think that's the flavor of the day. Uh, as always, policies can be improved, you know, if more stakeholders are taken on board at the right time. The second question was on, as you said, uh, the mobile side, uh, there was 20% import duty, and then overall, uh, over that, uh, it's 5% PLA incentive, and, uh, uh, you know, it makes you competitive in the global market. Uh, say tomorrow when you start putting uh, the best to incentivize the, the components, you start putting import duty on that and you know ultimately those components will go in this mobile manufacturing and then you become uncompetitive in the global market. Uh, you know, how you address this issue? Yeah, so there are two ways. One, for many components they are not thinking for duty because many components on the one hand they are part of this idea one scheme so you can't put duty like on PCBs or or even semiconductors or, or capacitors. Uh, so that's the given that we have to, we don't have a disincentive there, we only have an incentive. And which is why we are telling the document, if we understand you can't do that, instead of 5% PLI average, give us a 10% average PLI. And instead of giving it uh, for us, like everybody else is getting for four years, we are saying in confidence, please give it for eight years. So those are the two ways that we are trying to get, hoping that they will at least agree to one part of, of these two solutions. Then there are some components in which it is possible to put duty. For example, a camera module for a cell phone, you know, uh, or a display system, uh, which is not under ITA1. Here we are following strictly what we usually call a face manufacturing program scheme, TNT, where the duty on that display can never exceed the duty on the cell phone itself, because then it will not make sense to do that. And every year the government is picking up only one or two or three items like that, like they did with chargers right in the beginning. You know, uh, so an assembly of charger was also incentivized. But uh, if you see today, there probably is no need for that, that to happen. Uh, and that, that duty would probably be imposed on some other products. So there is a calibrated way in which the government is working uh, with industry associations. Uh, impossible to make everybody happy, uh, but I think that's the broad body of the government. Sure, Thanks a lot, Thank you. Good, Mukul. Finally, I hope you are happy with the call. Uh, you know, you are in the office and you are the one who figured this idea. So, no, very, very, I hope you are Absolutely, you know, this was a very, you know, you were able to address a lot of broad questions as well, apart from obviously addressing your company and the sector exactly. Uh, so, uh, thank you very much, you know, for, uh, for spending time with us and our investors today. And look forward to engaging with you at a later date. Great. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me.
and all the best to all of you. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks very much. Thanks very much. Yes, bye. And ladies and gentlemen, we are still on the call. We have the next call uh, with Pilawa Management. Please join in the next call. Thank you.